Okay, here we go. Focus, speed. I am speed. One winner. I eat losers for breakfast. Faster than fast, quicker than quick. I am lightning. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let the professionals handle this, please, sir. Ah, my turn. Brings him off the corner. We go green flag racing. Kelly gonna pull the slide job on him off a turn of her board. The slide job on Race Pro Radio. Brought to you by DMC Racing Products. Race to win. Hello and welcome to the premiere episode of The Slide Job here on Race Pro Radio. I am Bobby Chalmers and coming out of my comfort zone a little bit. Most of the time I'm usually the one behind the camera. I've, I've done a lot of writing for the magazine over the years, but this time I wanted to try and do something a little bit different. And Now with everybody kind of jumping on the podcast bandwagon, I figured it was as good a time as any for, for Race Pro to develop something along those lines. And it's something that we've been working on for the last year or so, and this is the premiere episode of a show. And... Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, when I was trying to come up with the first episode, the, there was I wanted to have somebody that had a pretty good story to tell, somebody that had a good, rich history in racing, and somebody that's still into it and is it's passionate about the sport. And I think I've got the perfect person with this gentleman. Most of the people that have ever met him or seen him race or seen him in victory lane, they understand that he has the passion, he has the family background, and just really enjoys this sport and loves everything about it. So without further ado, allow me to start with our first guest on the slide job, Kyle Schultz. The first thing I got to know, mm-hmm. anybody that's ever seen your cars, right? anybody that's ever seen you, any <clears throat> seen your t-shirts, anything like that, you have a distinctive color when it comes to this. Where did the pink ever come from? Because you've had that since the very first car you ever had. Right. The first car we had um, was pink. Uh, we always had pink on it. Blue, black, pink, uh, bright colors, um, except for green. I hate green. Um, do. <laughs> do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's bad it's luck in racing. Bad luck. Bad yeah, luck. Yeah, it's bad luck. And all that. Um, the pink came from my grandfather. Um, really? Anybody that remembers my grandfather from back in the 90s when he'd follow my father around in sportsman days, like early 90s. My grandfather would always wear bright shirts. Pink was like his favorite because it's something that somebody talks about. You know, they always they say, <laughs> what's with the pink? It's a conversation starter. So growing up, pink on us was always like normal. So when it came to pink on a race car, it was kind of like, that's what you're supposed to do. And then it became like my thing because at the time, there was no pink on race cars. You never really saw it. Right. I can remember being little and watching uh, Lance Harding in his pink and black number 66 and thinking he's so cool because he's like the only guy I could see that had pink on a car my father had pink on his 518 in the early 90s and all that so you know I suppose it's again all about family that's the funny (laughs) part I was actually just talking to Brian Bedell about that and we were talking about different cars that he'd sponsored and and I actually have a picture of Lance's 66, the first right. first car that he had, and we were talking about that. Yeah. Now, the first car that you had, the old Dirt Wheels car back in right. 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. I know as a driver, I remember how I felt the first time going out on the racetrack. You went out in a big block right. first time, never driven Correct. anything before. 
what do you remember about that? I mean, what do you do you remember much about the first time you ever drove on the racetrack? I remember every bit of it. I can remember. Well, I'll back the story up. So on Christmas morning that year, uh, my let the last present I opened up was a small, rather small box, and it was actually it came from Boomer's performance from Brian, <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, it was a it was a leaf fire suit. I had never ever discussed driving or even wanting to drive. It was pretty much just obvious. <laughs> I spent every hour in the garage, you know, so it's not like my parents had to even think that I wanted to do it. Yeah. So I opened that box up on Christmas. That was a fire suit. So then I knew I was actually going to race. So then that was the only thing on my mind every second of every day leading up to <laughs> warm-ups in April. So we took one of my dad's last cars, everything the same the motor every part on it we just took it apart cleaned it up got it ready um i'm pretty sure that car was ready in february <laughs> you know i was so excited you couldn't sleep could you no, no, no. You, you can't <clears throat> and uh what I, about i mean what about the first time you actually yeah. fired the car up and were so the first out? time i ever drove the car was the morning of warm-ups in our driveway just to make sure I know how to move it back and forth. Because I had never never drove it in the pits because I was too young. I was 15. Mm-hmm. I've never really driven on the road. It would, like, go down to the neighbor's house or something. You know, I, <laughs> I, was, like, I was like this little badass doing that. So <clears throat> when, it came to, when it came to that morning getting ready for warm-ups, it was trying to figure out how do I do this? And then just, I mean, fear is not even the word. I was petrified to even get out there and just offload the car. <laughs> I, was, I was just petrified because, so obviously my father is my hero. So to be out on the track with him, guys like Kenny and Brett and all the other guys out there who are professionals at this I mean it's just it's insane to think about and I was just 15 and it's weird to me that when I think back of when I was 15 I was the same height that I am now might have been a little bit lighter but (laughs) you know I look at kids now that are 15 and I think wow you look like such a little kid I wonder did I look like that you know did I look like this little guy that was doing it you know it's it's crazy to me see i remember the first time i went out there Mm -hmm. back when i ran i was 15 too i was running for sportsman right and what i did was i i was the same thing i never even driven Mm -hmm. on the road so to to realize for like another couple months my birthday was in may so for the next like month a month and a half i was learning how to drive going 100 miles an hour on a racetrack Mm -hmm. and i remember like people laughed at me because i said i've never even i you know i've never even driven a driven a standard and here i am doing this and i remember getting out there and i got the thing locked in first gear going down the backstretch Mm -hmm. at the tremont driving school when kenny used to have the old tremont driving school 
and I literally could not get the thing out of gear. I could not do anything. I had to, Gary Waters had to actually come over and help me bump the thing out of gear right. because the thing was locked and geared. And I just I remember everything about that. Um, you've obviously gone into and talked about the fact that your father's your hero. Mm -hmm. um, your grandfather started racing sure. the whole thing. Ultimately, what kind of impact? You know, being a third generation driver, what kind of impact did your family have on? I mean, your progression through. I mean, you've you've got five or six, you know, feature wins, and and what does having your father there even now, having him there every week watching you race and stuff, what does family mean to you? Oh, it means everything. <clears throat> if it weren't for my family, racing probably would have never even been on my radar. I grew up at Lebanon Valley. I grew up going to weed sport on a Sunday. Um, and then we'd take, say my father would take Monday off and we'd go to, I forget the amusement park out that way, Darien Lake or something. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just how it was. When I was little, the only thing I knew was my father working in the garage. So naturally you just want to be like your dad. And, uh, you know, my grandfather owned cars in the sixties, drove a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, um, <laughs> So he was always, he's been involved since the 60s. So that's kind of the the push that got my father into it in the early 80s. So, you know, when you look back on the generations, it's it's almost like that's like what we were meant to do. Yeah. You know, it's it's what you know. It's, it's your dad's interest, so you want to be like your dad. So that's really all I ever wanted was to do that it's the only thing you ever know to do on a saturday right. you don't right. go on vacations or anything right. in the summer you go to the racetrack exactly we didn't go to you know watch a yankee game or do anything <laughs> like that i didn't even know what that was because all i cared about was racing you know watching my dad at all the tracks that he would travel to in the early 90s to uh, malta he'd race malta on friday nights in the late 90s and that's when i was old enough to really understand what was going on uh, and then obviously Lebanon every week, so it just seemed like I didn't even know it, but that was my only option because that's all I, it's the only thing I could think about was doing that. Now, back in two thousand seven, mm -hmm. you got hooked up. You got a new PMC. Right. You you got hooked up with yep. with Todd at Sillies and yep yep. And early on, you went out and got your first win, and you right. were up until probably a couple of years ago when Dipple Tyler Dipple. Right. Uh, knocked you off that spot. You were the youngest <laughs> yeah. guy to ever win a yep. big block race at Lebanon Valley. Right. How? Do, I mean, do you when you started racing, even even to this day, do you go out there trying to set records, or do you just go out there just to say, you know what, this is like this is cool. This is what I want to do. I mean, it, it, do you look at stuff like that as like no. setting records at Lebanon? I never knew who was who the youngest winner was prior to me. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't. It never crossed my mind. I just knew this is what I want to do. I love racing. I love every part of it. I love the working on the car, which I don't do now, and I wish I did. But just everything that goes into it, I love being able to take nothing and make it something. And I love the competition. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing that I care about when I go to the track, is to worry about myself and to go out and be fast. So if there's a record that I might get or some accolade, that's really awesome. But at the end of the day, I'm there to do what it is I love. So, 
now the, a lot of people probably mm -hmm. don't realize and Brian was sure to let me know when you yep. told me about this there was a rain out the weekend after yeah right. but on but then the week after that yep your father parked the 42 right in victory lane because at the time you were driving your own family's car Correct. the 518 still Correct. and your dad was driving for your current car owner alex alex thompson yep how i mean we've there's been plenty of notoriety no, about this and i mean how cool was it to realize that like here is something that probably will stand for the longest you know a good portion mm -hmm. of time that you are the only father and son that have ever won back-to-back -back modified races at lebanon valley right um so my, i got my first win in my the start of my fourth year april 21st 2007 and then like you said there was a rain out the next week the week after that we came back and my father wins and i can remember i finished fifth <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that Eddie Marshall finished second to me on my first win, and the next week Eddie finished second to my father. Really? So I I have always thought that is so cool <laughs> that it was it went down that way. But um, it was it was more than cool. I mean, it was just the sense of pride that you get from from a win for one is. I mean, your head gets so big. <laughs> you know, I, you can't walk into a door in a doorway because your head is so big. But then when your father wins the week after, it's like, holy shit, the Sheldons are like, we are it. You know, like, we are it. You, you made it. You know, and then the week after that, you don't run so good. And then the week after that, you don't run so good. And then you kind of forget about it. But <clears throat> um, it was, um, it's still something that, I think is so awesome the fact that we were able to race against each other. I mean, there's a lot of father and sons out there that have raced against each other, but to be the only ones to win back to back is, is pretty damn cool. It really is. Well, I was going to ask you, cause I mean, you kind of spoke about it when you went out the first time and realizing that, you know, mm -hmm. again, you said dad was your hero, right? But you got to race against your father. I never got the opportunity. I always tried to get him yeah. to take out the back of car and just to say mm -hmm. we were on the racetrack together, but we never did. <laughs> when you realize that you're out there and one of the cars you got to beat yep. is, is your old man. I mean, yeah. how do you, how do you even get amped up for that? But I mean, you know, does does things change? I mean, what is it like to race against your father? It's very hard to race against your father. Um, for me, I just wanted to beat him. <laughs> so I would drive way too hard over my head, and I would always, you know, just I would lose it myself because I was so concentrated on trying to beat him because I wanted to beat him. Um, there was only, I don't know if there was only one time, but I can specifically remember one time where we actually had a side-by-side -side battle that I beat him in, and I think we might have finished... 13th 14th or somewhere towards the back but it didn't even matter to me because we ran side by side for like 12 or 15 laps just a lot of fun it's just so much fun to be able to see that car outside of me or inside of me and it's him uh it's it's a totally different feeling than racing with anybody else on the speedway it's it's probably the coolest thing i've ever been able to do in a race car now your dad's been out of racing for mm -hmm. about five or six years. Right. Until this past year. He came back. Lauren Bro got out of the seat and said, Hey, guy, why don't you take over the ride in the small block car, the 358? Mm -hmm. 
somewhere around June, I remember you were a pretty excited <laughs> young man because Dad went out and right. put one hell of a move out in turn four and got the win in the 358 race. I mean, yeah. I mean, you and I, we wrote, a, we wrote an article right. in Race Pro about right. it, and, and you, you, you didn't let your, you know, didn't stop <laughs> letting your emotions go. I mean, right. have you ever, I mean, do you still think about that night? I mean, well, yeah, it was, so I, I don't know how this happened, but throughout my father's career, I had only seen him, the first win that I ever saw my father, that I witnessed my father win was that night after I won in 2007. Really? I don't ever remember being at a win that he ever had. And we went back and I don't think I was ever there. So I was probably off at a horse show with my Nana or, you know, it was the off week that my parents didn't take me to the racetrack because they'd alternate every mm-hmm. other week. So I really never saw my father win a lot. I mean, I saw, I, I shouldn't say a lot, but I don't know, six wins, I guess I saw. Mm-hmm. So to actually be in the pits and watch him race and watch him win was just, it's almost like you can't put words to it. It's just, the emotion is just so, so much. Right. It, it's just, it's crazy to think about. It's like, cause you wear your heart on your sleeve, especially yeah, when to, you, yeah. when you, I mean, right. you you had such a smile that night, you right. would have figured you won the race. Well, you know, the funny thing is, I've never felt um, scared about anybody watching anybody on the racetrack. I've never been nervous watching anybody. Um, I've never had that pit in my stomach, you know. But when he goes out there, it's like, I just want it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this because my stress level just gets so high and um you know like the woo girls that that woo on their boyfriend or their husband in the stands <laughs> and they're like come on come on you know and they're and like it's the woo you girls right yeah, yeah. i am that it's just i can't i can't hold myself back and um when when he won that night he was second going under the white flag and uh timothy davis had an issue coming out of two or, or whatever it was so when we saw him go down the back stretch in the opening between the trailers, I saw the number seven go by and then my father go by, which is just what we saw on the front stretch. But then when you see him come out of three and four, uh, my father's ahead of him. It was just, it was crazy. <laughs> I can remember literally jumping in the air and, uh, you know, the rest of that is kind of a blur, but I mean, it just, I could not believe it. But to be able to witness that and feel that is just crazy. And, and it's kind of like what my father always says he feels when he watches me. Exactly. So, you know, when I think about it that way, it's it just adds even more emotion to it. Just think about any of your, anybody in your family <clears throat> right. watching both of you guys do it. Well, you then, you, yeah, like I think about my mother, you know, her <laughs> husband and her son out there racing. It, you know, and, I mean, she's as cool as a cucumber. She would, you don't, you can't tell when she's sometimes happy or upset when we're on the track she's just still you know <laughs> so it's it's crazy to actually feel that that's a new thing for me to feel so now earlier on you just said <clears throat> this is all you've ever known right this is what you wanted to do you never went to baseball games nope. you never did anything. i never it, played a single sport in school 
I didn't. I swear, <laughs> I didn't do any afternoon classes or anything. I did nothing, nothing. So, obviously, you know, why do you race? I mean, you're not. All of us weekend racers, mm -hmm. we're not doing this for the money. Correct. Obviously, no, most definitely not. Why do you have? You know, what is it about you that makes you want to put the helmet on, put the suit on? strap in and, and, and get the anxiety up every mm -hmm. time you, you get a race. I mean, why do you want to race? I guess the reason I want to race is because, for one, I want to carry the Sheldon name on because that's that we've been, the Sheldon name has been at Lebanon um, since the 60s. And to be able to contribute to that and keep it going, for one, is a lot about pride. I'm very proud of that. Um, I, I love it. There's there's nothing better than getting in a race car with 800 and some horsepower and 24 other guys and going out there on the track and just having a job to do and doing it. You know, you're in that car, you're by yourself. <clears throat> in the garage, you got your team, but in that car, you're by yourself. Nothing else matters. There's there's really nothing, and it's so corny to say, and it's it's so cliche to say, but nothing else matters in that moment mm -hmm. like you forget to breathe you forget to blink <laughs> that. you know you, you just you don't think about that stuff because it just happens it's it's just happens so that rush of actually being in that seat and doing it is unlike anything else i've ever done i mean i've thrown a baseball in my life i've thrown a football in my life i'm terrible at it and i don't <laughs> care it does nothing for me there's there's nothing that matches that thrill of going out in that race car, so I guess that's probably what fuels it. So I'd have to say that. Now we're five miles away from Lebanon right. Valley Speedway. Yep. You passed it on the way over here. Sure did. You spent countless Saturday right. nights at that racetrack. Mm -hmm. As a driver, you for I mean you've gone and raced at Albany Saratoga. You've mm -hmm. done the Florida thing. Right. You've done some, mm -hmm. but you've been really just a one night a week driver. Right. Do you wish you had been able to travel more? Do you regret the fact that you haven't gone out and done more? Or, I mean, or are you, you know, content with the fact that you're, you know, a, a Saturday night or you know whatever it is a one night a week racer? If you were to ask me that question when I was eighteen, I would have a completely different answer right now than I do right now um, back then that's the only thing I cared about was going in the garage working on the race car I wanted to be full-time that's I wanted to travel I wanted to you know I had dreams of NASCAR um, I think we all did yeah we all did you know because that's that's what you knew so you wanted to be that but then as the years went by and sometimes, you know, sometimes that has, you, you kind of get stuck by funding sometimes, too. You might not have the money to go and do stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, we went and followed J.R. Hefner when he was in an ARCA car. And we talked to some people when we were down there in Daytona. And the impression we got was, we don't have enough money to buy our way in. So you kind of get discouraged at that point. But... You know, life goes on, and the years keep passing, and you get a year older, and then you start to grow up a little bit, and your priorities Sucks, change. It? it does suck. It does. <laughs> kidding me? When I was in high school, I used to, I used to, I used to go to school, 
I would drive myself home, change, go to PMC race cars. That was my first job. My hours were three to seven. Then I'd go home, work on my race car until whatever time, get no sleep, then go back to high school. I mean, how simple was that life? What'd you do? What'd you do for P? What'd you do at PMC? Um, I used to make bumpers and uh, you know bumper sockets and just cut things and help them if you needed hand bending a body and running back and forth to powder coat and just the you know the mindless kind of thing, you know helping them do little stuff that that he or Artie didn't want to do, you know. But it was all stuff that I knew how to do because I used to do it at home on my race car, so. It's not like not? I wasn't qualified to do it, you know. And um, But back to what you had asked me about, you start to grow up and your priorities change. You know, I started working for my father when I was 18, so I was in a truck since then. And then you start getting the taste of money. You move out on your own. So now you have a bit of overhead to keep yourself alive. Mm-hmm. So being a race car driver at the level I was at doesn't pay my bills so I can't do it and then years keep going on you get in relationships you get married try and buy congratulations a home. by the way thank you I appreciate that <laughs> you know so your priorities change you know and and I would say one of the biggest things in my life is you know our family business so if I wanted to go off and play with race cars, who's going to who's gonna keep the business going for the next generation? You know, how is that going to, how is that going to keep going? Because that's our livelihood. Right. The only reason we race is because of that business. That's, you know, that pays for our, our, our everything. Right. You know, so at some point you have to grow up, in my case, you have to grow up and realize the opportunity that you have and which is which is the right opportunity to take Mm -hmm. so for me it was being more involved with sheldon oil and that becoming a really big part of my life and then realizing that racing was the hobby Mm -hmm. but i love it so when i was 18 i would be so disappointed that i'm not you know one of the big names on the series or something like that but now it's it's fine because that's all I want. I want to go play with my race cars on a Saturday night and be competitive, but have fun doing it and then go live my life, you know, Monday through Friday and do the, do the other thing. That's just, that's just how my life is now. And I'm totally fine with it. Now you're sitting in February mm-hmm. and, and this weekend there, everybody's down in, right in Volusia and, and done doing mm-hmm. the dirt car nationals thing. And yep. you've done that. You and Alex have in your car owner have done that. Alex fact, is actually down there right now. Is he helping anybody? I know he wanted to, to be helping somebody. Yeah. He's uh, down there. Um, you know, he's hanging out with Brett. Um, uh, I guess he's been hanging out with Drellos, um, kind of just bouncing around, you know, seeing if anybody know. wants help. He's kind of <laughs> lost, you know, he wishes that we were down there with our car, but, you know, he's still having a good time. So and say because you've done that with him right. a couple of years ago. You made the deal you were going to do that with with Elmo Ratner right, and stuff. Yep. What is it about? I mean, is there an advantage as a driver to going down and doing the whole Florida the four or five nights down mm-hmm. there, or is it just a, a a time to get away to knock the rust off and kind of get away from the the 
the 10 degrees and cold up here in For the northeast. Sure. I think a guy like me, you know, we, we run Lebanon and we don't really travel. So what do we run? Probably 18 times a year at Lebanon, yeah, yeah. you know, depending on rainouts and stuff. Um, so we don't get a lot of track time compared to other guys that are running 70 times a year. But we go down there to have fun. It breaks up the winter, and it kind of knocks the rust off. And you try some stuff that's different because it doesn't mean anything. We're not racing for points. Obviously, we're not racing for money. <laughs> if we're to spend money, you know. Mm-hmm. But you try things that you would never try back home because back home you're so concentrated on your points. And you got to finish, and you got to do it. It's just everything. So it's just a relaxed environment when we go to Florida. And I really like that track. Not that I do great on it, but it's just a really fun track. It's not, I mean, I just, I know um, uh, Brett just talked about it, uh, or Hearn talked about mm-hmm. it, the fact that it's unlike any track right. around here. Right. I mean, it's, what, um, is, what, is, what is it about Volusia that, that appeals to you? Well, for one, it's, um, you know, you're, you're always turning. There's a little bit of bank into it, so it kind of makes you think you're at Lebanon, I guess. And it's, it's so fast. So I think the combination of the banking and just the way that the corners just keep going into the backstretch and I don't know, just the design of it, it's really fast. So it makes you think of Lebanon. Although some guys say Lebanon's boring, but I don't know, there's nothing well, boring short, about it. I mean, it to they me. got shorter straightaways, maybe a little bit wider <clears throat> and more right. more you know, it's a right. half mile, but it's it's not as long. Lebanon Valley right. is like a paperclip compared right. to, right. to to Volusia. It's so. a it's just a really fun track to be on. You know, cuz you're you have to be up on the wheel. You barely have enough time to take a tear off. It's just a fun place to to go and race. And the facility is awesome. The weather is usually pretty good. <laughs> you know, so it's it's it breaks it up and it's like you can take a vacation doing what you love. So how can it get any better, right? Now, kind of going back to what your father was doing and whatnot, back in the mid-'90s, he, right before the biggest race of the year, decided he was going to go out and get a big block and mm-hmm. try to qualify for Super Dirt Week right. when it was up at Syracuse and mm-hmm. did so. He did. actually did pretty well up there at yeah. that race. You never got the opportunity to run on the mile. I know, you know, we've all, there's plenty of people, anybody that's probably listening to this probably knows different stories of, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that happened at the the state fairgrounds and stuff. I mean, did you ever have the urge to to try and run there? And I mean, is it like, is that one of the, if it is, is that one of the regrets? That is, that is definitely one of the regrets. I, you know, we didn't go out there because lack of funding and we thought, well, if we go out to if we go out to Syracuse, say it cost us I don't know, 5 or 8 grand, maybe 10 grand to go out. Well, that's 5 or 10,000 that we could put towards our car for next year. It's a lot of people to do that. You know, so well, if we go out there we wreck, well that that would cost a lot. So, you know, that <clears throat> excuse me, it just it just became the norm that well, it just cost too much. So we we don't want to we don't want to hurt our season for next year. And then um, then obviously they close up, and it's like, well, shit, I wish I, I, wish I did it. you know. And now I don't have the opportunity to. I was going to say, because so. your dad, I mean, times change, too, because your dad, when he did it, 
I mean, there were a lot of times. I mean, he went up with his own stuff. He went right. up with Dick Humphreys right. with the small block yep. stuff. I mean, yep. so, I mean, times have changed. I mean, what is your thought? I mean, do you think uh, there's there's like a divide right down the middle of people that believe Super Dirt Week died when the, fi- the mile mm-hmm. went away? There are a lot of people that still believe that the party rages on at Oswego. Right. I mean, what do you, I mean, if some if you had the opportunity, would you say I'm running Super Dirt Week and does I still have the cachet running a Swigo that it did at the mile, do you think? Well, I went to the last Super Dirt Week at the mile when I went to the first Super Dirt Week in Oswego and it just didn't have the same feel. Um so, you know, to me I haven't gone the last, what's it been, four times they've been up there? Yeah. So I didn't go the last three times, but I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Really? I watch it on TV, and I feel a lot better about it, really. You know, it's uh, it's pretty comfortable to sit in my chair and watch it. There's no line <laughs> to the bathroom. <laughs> if I want a beverage, it's right there. You know, it's, um, I kind of see it that way. I don't. I didn't feel what I felt when I was at the mile. And, I mean, obviously so many people throughout those years would complain that the racing was terrible. It's a one-groove track. But there was something about Syracuse that was different. And everybody knows that it was different, and it felt different. And to me, going to Oswego, it just didn't feel the same to me. You know, and, I mean, obviously if I had the opportunity to race it, well, yeah, I would race it. So maybe I'm a hypocrite, but it... It doesn't mean the same to me, and it doesn't. It, it's just not the same. Well, I mean, to a lot of people, it's the mm-hmm. history of it. But I mean, right. there's 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 a lot of people right now that feel like they've got a better shot because now instead of having to go out and put in a brand new right. body on your car or have a specialty car for mm-hmm. it, now you can go up basically with your Saturday or, or Sunday night car. Sure, sure. You don't even have to put a body on it if you don't right. feel like it. So I mean, it's, I think there's a lot of people that mm-hmm. feel that it's more for the. The weekend racer right again. I, I can agree with that i think that part of it is great um i think it's probably more affordable to go out to oswego uh, like you said you can take your saturday night car and you can go out and race pretty much as is but it doesn't mean it's not different you know it's not it's different than syracuse was hmm. so it just doesn't have that that luster to it to me <laughs> all right I'm gonna throw out some names. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do a, a, a random, you know, like fire shot. Right. I want your, you know, like a word association. When I mention the name, I want you to tell me what you think. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Are you setting it, me up here? No, I'm not setting you up. All right. Okay. Kenny Tremont. Probably just one word. No, you can whatever you what. Okay. Wait, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when right. when you can? I would say when I think Kenny Tremont, I think. The nicest guy you could race against. Um, I have the most respect for Kenny. He treated me with respect from the moment I met him to the last time I saw him. You know, so I really, I just have so much respect for him. And I actually really like talking to Brian Bedell about (laughs) Kenny to know the things that he did in his career and to hear the stories about how they accomplished things. I mean, he's kind of like, if I think about us and think about him, it's like I could I could have done that. You know, I could have worked as hard as he did. I know there's nobody else that works I will say Alex works really hard too, but back when they were doing what they were doing, there was nobody working as hard as them. They were running last I knew. I mean they would run 
Friday night, right. Saturday night, Sunday night. They'd run the tour. Yeah. I mean, back when back when I was a kid, the Florida tour right. also turned into the Texas tour. Correct. They would all drive out to, right. to Devil's Bowl right. out in Mesquite, Texas, and yep. there were different places they'd go. Right. I mean, you nothing. can't not respect that. Yeah. So. Um, somebody associated with your team, he passed away a couple years ago, Bob Devine. Right. What do you think about when, you, when I mentioned Bob? Bob was... Um, he was, if, oh boy, Bob was, um, he was one of the best men you could ever meet. Really? Um, he, he was so knowledgeable. Um, he could do anything and did anything. I mean, he was an innovator. Back, you know, back when he raced, I think he was the one that actually, well, he says he was the one that developed the um, the quick fill, you know, the quick really? fill jug. He said he remembers like Richard Petty and these other guys pulling in to do a pit stop with a funnel and a five gallon pail. Well, he made his own dump can. Did he designed the whole thing and he did it? And then he says, you know, then everybody went and did went and copied. Went and copied. You know, <laughs> I wasn't there. I can't prove that, but. You know, he would do, he'd make everything himself, did his own motors, you know, so that's why we do our own motors, because Alex learned from him. Yeah. You know, he was one of those guys like Big Ken, where you just keep working and working and working, and um, you make anything you have to. Money doesn't hold you back. If you can build it, you can make it, you can do it. Right. And that was Bob. And, uh, you know, the stories that Bob would talk about, with racing he would race because they're from connecticut he'd go and he'd race somewhere on friday night i forget where it was but he would race friday saturday sunday on sunday night he'd race a track out in buffalo really buffalo new york and then be to work for seven o'clock on monday morning down in connecticut i think waterbury maybe somewhere down there um and he'd pull that race car with his probably 1950s truck it's just it's insane the things that the the work ethic that he had and, and he put into it is just insane so i mean he's just i wish i had more time with him you know yeah. he was one of those people so denny sold us denny um denny's a, denny's a great guy um he's one of those guys like like bob devine he will make it himself. He's as cheap as all cheap can be. <laughs> <laughs> and so wasn't Bob. But that's the way you had to be because you couldn't afford to go out and buy everything off of a shelf. But back in in his days, back in, you know, the, the 70s and all that, when he was really racing, he had to make it all. So he'd build his own motors. He'd build his own cars. And he was racing everywhere. And I haven't gotten to know Denny until the last few years. Like we, uh, uh, Denny, Alex, and myself got in Alex's little Toyota Corolla, and we drove from Connecticut out to Indianapolis for the PRI show. Mm -hmm. And Denny told us pretty much his whole life story. But it was fascinating. <laughs> it was fascinating to hear everything he did with what he had. I mean, he talked about racing in Pennsylvania, down in Jersey, Devil's Bowl, all over New York. And he's won all over the place. 
and and people nowadays they don't know like they don't know the history of things but i like to know about it so when he was telling me it was just fascinating he's he's sat right here yep and we've done this we've talked the same thing yeah. he'll just fill me in oh my god yeah he just keeps going <laughs> he really does like he'll call me every once in a while uh you know it could be a simple question and then i realized we were on the phone for 45 minutes you know there's, he's, a, couple, there's a couple people yeah, that you could right could talk about oh, for sure yeah. you know but he just he keeps going and, and he's got some awesome things to say and the cool thing about him being around our team is um you know he'll come by and he'll talk to alex when he's building a motor and they'll say you know i used to do this and i tried this and this broke and i wouldn't do this again so then alex be like oh all right well maybe i shouldn't do this you know and just have different insights on things but what's also cool is you know now the whole craze is coil cars and Mm -hmm. j bars and all the left side pan hard and and denny's tried all of this before he's tried every combination you could ever try Mm -hmm. so what's pretty cool and you know it's what's really cool about it is he he's somebody you can talk to that's tried it and he's done it mm-hmm. you know he he knows what it what it's going to do mm-hmm. you know and and that's a very cool thing to have in your pocket so Brett Hearn Brett Hearn a lot of people don't like Brett I really like Brett um you can get caught up in that I don't like Brett because he wins all the time thing or I don't like Brett because you can't feel like you can approach him. But I respect Brett a lot because, again, he's one of those people that works so hard to be where he is. And the fact that he is, he is so good at what he does is just, it makes you want to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you, when he's at a racetrack, you watch where he is, whether you like him or hate him, right. because you want to see how he does. I respect the fact that his cars always look nice. He is presentable. His team is presentable. You know, every part of him looks like he's running a very tight ship. He's running a very good business. So that's the part that attracts me to him. You know, like when I think about Sheldon Oil, I like when our trucks are clean, shiny. It's a good presentation to our customers. They know they're not hiring some... I don't know, some loser to come and recycle their used oil, you know, and like with Brett's sponsors, for one, the guy is probably the greatest we've ever had. He can back up what he says, and he's got the best looking equipment out there to showcase your stuff. So that's what I like about him, you know, and then, you know, when you race with him, he races you with respect. I've never been ran over by Brett. Maybe you've been squeezed by him, but that's what we do to every. We we all do it to each other. Right. You know, I've never been taken out, or you know, I really, I have nothing bad to say about Brett because I like the guy a lot. And anytime I've ever seen him, you know, you you say your pleasant hellos and you know shake hands and you know that's that's that and it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your dad. My father. Of course, you're going to ask me about him. Well, I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> you've kind of you've right? kind of explained enough about it right. over the, the, the half hour we've Well, been obviously, talking. you know, he's my hero. Um, I think everybody wants to be just like their dad. Um, 
and everything I've ever done in life was to be just like him. Everything, you know, racing, uh, being a truck driver, I guess, you know, being in the oil business, uh, everything he does, you know, I pretty much follow. And we do all the same things with the exception of golf. I tell him I'm not old enough yet. I can't play yet. He was he was 40 the first time he ever swung a golf club. So I'm 31, so I got nine years left. <laughs> and then I'll probably pick up the and game of golf. pick up the golf. Yeah, but, you know, everything I do is to be just like him and obviously hope that with everything that I do, he's proud of it. So. Yep. Now, outside of a person named Sheldon, mm-hmm. who do you figure is like your not really your favorite driver to to race against, but I mean the person that you actually like racing against the most? Kenny Tremont. Most definitely. Really? Yep. Yeah, I can remember like uh maybe three years ago. Three or four years ago, I guess. It, that story I told you about my father, where we race side by side yep. for 13th or 14th place I did that with Kenny I think it was 11th and 12th place and we ran so hard he's the hardest person that drives I don't care (laughs) you could race against anybody in this world Kenny will wear you out and you'll get out of that car and just feel like jello the guy I don't know how he does it I really don't but we ran so hard I think for almost 20 laps and I beat him and I'm telling you, I felt like I won the feature. I got out of the car. I was so happy. All my guys are like, what are you happy about? And I actually <laughs> walked down to Kenny. Um, I went into his hauler, shook his hand, and said, that was by far the most fun that I have had in a very long time. And he looked at me like I was crazy because we finished 11th and 12th. But <laughs> to me, that was one of those things that were that was just so – that was like – you know, when you think about when you're little, you want to race with these people. They're like rock stars to you. And then to actually do it and then beat the guy in an actual side-by-side race, that was that moment for me. So that was just something that I will never forget. Kenny was always, to me, when I raced against him, mm-hmm. every time I thought I was holding my, you know, as right. far as I could go oh, into no. the corner, he'll take you in he, deeper. He drove in yep. deeper, used more brake, turned yep. the car, and pulled you off the corner. Right. I mean... You, you get behind Kenny, and, I mean, he literally takes you to school. Mm-hmm. You watch him, and you you try and do what he did the lap before, and then you end up in the marbles, or you end up <laughs> six car lengths farther behind him than you just were because, you know, the guy is the best at Lebanon Valley. Obviously, his records show, you know. So <clears throat> to be able to race with that guy, and, and you know, I don't know this because I don't talk to these guys, and I don't know them, but... I wonder the guys that race against him in Vermont, um, in the the Sportsman Modifieds, I wonder if they realize who they're racing with. You know, I I, I often wonder that. Like, do they know that's Kenny Tremont? Like, Kenny Tremont that I know of and respect, that I watched all these years and, and see what he can do in a race. Do they know that's him? And do they understand and respect that? You know, and, and it doesn't mean that that's everything, but I see it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'll get in the car and, and see guys like Brett and Kenny. And when the series comes, see Shepard and Friesen and all these guys, Decker. 
you know, I remember being little watching Decker race, you know, the, the wheels 91, you yep. know, mm-hmm. and, you know, just those were the heroes. Those were the rock stars when I was little. So to be able to be out there with them is just mind boggling. So I often wondered, does that generation of the younger guys coming in, do they know that? Do they see it that way? You know, because Kenny's not going to be here forever racing. Obviously, look at uh, Brett. You know, Brett announced his retirement to just a select few races, and I had the opportunity to race with him. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that don't. There's going to be a lot of people that hear stories about Brett but didn't get to experience that. Right. There's there's plenty of times there's people that that Mm -hmm. tell me stories about racing with with Lape and Lazaro and and P. Corey and all that. Yep. But, you know, we never did. Our heroes were Ken and Brett and Billy Decker and Jack Johnson and all that. There are people right now that are looking up to Matt Shepard right. and Stuart Friesen and Correct. going, they're going to be that same way. Mm-hmm. So I get that. So, yeah, that's how I see that. All right. Now, I'm going to show you a photo. Yep. I'll put it on the Facebook page sure. when we do this. I want your 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 reaction to it. It's one of the photos. I went through all my, my photo gallery, my photo albums, and back when they used to have the old John Grady yeah. grab bags, yep. I'm sure this is one oh, of yeah. them that was in it. <laughs> that's from my father's dirt legal days yep yep, yep. 19 i think that was 1989 that's or 89 yeah yeah that's 89 yep i used to love in the first car it had the pink right. pink on the car that's it the pink yeah. car the pink see car. that's uh so that fire suit he's wearing i used to wear that for halloween every year <laughs> really yeah <laughs> show and tell at school i'd bring that in i'd wear it mm-hmm. you know and i'd have his black jiffy lube helmet on um i can remember there was some sort of uh, career day or parade there was something like that with a parade outside i can't even remember but i would wear that for everything every every time you could dress up that's what i wore <laughs> yeah I mean, Dad. I mean, obviously, that was right around the time you know right. you were really young, and like right. you said, you haven't remembered much. Mm-hmm. Does Dad ever t- has he ever told you a lot about the old street stock days and and, yeah. and the sportsman days? Yeah, he definitely did. You know, it was him and Glenn. Glenn in the wheelchair has yeah. been with him since, uh, well, probably like eighty. I think around like eighty four. The way Glenn tells a story is, they were friends in school, they were always friendly. But then Glenn found out that my father had a race car, and he said, your father sucked. So I went over there to help him out. (laughs) (laughs) That was the story. And then they just, you know, they just built that bond around the race car. And, I mean, they're still best friends to this day. So Glenn was like that second father growing up. (laughs) It would be my parents, my sister, myself at the dinner table, plus Glenn. Every night, every night, because they'd be working on the race car, so that's how that's how close Glenn is to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, he still <clears> helps you guys out. He's still oh, part yeah. of the team today. Absolutely, everybody knows Sheldon's got that guy in the chair. That's just <laughs> how it is, you know. Glenn's a great guy. He, yeah, he's the best. Yeah. You know, we my grandfather with his charisma used to when they would travel and stuff. Because you know how when you pull in to a track, a new track, they just park you wherever they're going to park you. Well, my grandfather would be slick, and he'd say, "I got a, I got a oh, guy in a don't wheelchair. Tell me. I got a guy in a really? wheelchair, so I need, I need this parking spot over here where it's all open." Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. 
You know, so then Glenn would get out. Glenn didn't care where they parked, but my grandfather wanted prime parking. You know, so that's just it's just how it went. That's awesome. It was it's funny stuff, right? <laughs> funny stuff. All right. Now I've never driven a big block. Right. The best I've ever done is a small block. You the first thing you ever started in was big block. Yep. What does it feel like? on a, the beginning of a 30-lap feature to head down into turn one knowing you've got your foot mashed to the floor and realizing you've, you've got to stop and make this thing right. turn in turn one. I mean, what is it like? Well, the first time I got in the car, I thought I mashed the throttle, but I don't even know if I even went quarter throttle. <laughs> <laughs> I was so scared. I was ter- Like I said, I was terrified. Um, it was... It was unbelievable to see that amount of those amount of cars in front of me, and to hear the sound, to see the dust, just everything. It was, it was insane. It was just uh, the most adrenaline I think I've ever felt. Were the first times I ever drove. Now, what about now? Like, say, say opening night, going down <clears throat> into the corner. I mean. Obviously, things have right. changed because you're you're a winner. You you've right. got the experience, but I mean, do you still get amped up? I get bad? amped up every week. Every week, I get amped up, and more so in the beginning of the season because it's still new. Mm-hmm. But you know, you, I can't eat on a Saturday. Maybe my stomach doesn't feel so good. You know, you just you get anxious. You don't sleep. Um, once you get in a car, it's gone. But just leading up to it, then you know, of course, and I don't know if everybody does it, but I do. I doubt myself. Do I remember how to do it? Is it just yeah. going to come back to me? You know, you have. I have those thoughts of, hopefully, I can remember how to do this, and then you get into the first corner, and then you do it, and you're fine. Sometimes, I'm pretty famous for wrecking front noses on our cars. So I know, I know, you'd be surprised. <laughs> but there's times like in the beginning of the year, ah, you turn a little bit too quick, you hit the berm wipe the front nose out. Alex is pissed at me again. You know, it just <laughs> that happens, but I think it's like riding a bike. It just it just keeps going, you know. You, you never forget that. So All right. Now, I'm not trying to knock anybody, right. you know. If you had the opportunity, I mean, to to take your helmet, put it on the on right. the trailer and be the promoter of any track or anything. Sure. What what one thing would you do? I mean, is there something you would change? Is there something that you would make better for 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 the racers, for the fans? I mean, I mean this is probably this is a, an offshoot question. Sure. I was just curious because I, I'm I'm kind of fascinated because I know things that I would want to do mm-hmm. because I've seen the way you know when you go to a racetrack you you experience right. it. But I mean, is there something or is everything perfect in? In, in your mind when it comes to racetrack? Well, I don't think everything is perfect. Um, you know, my job is to provide a race car for the promoter. Um, and that's always been my job. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a job that I like. Um, I've never really thought too much about what any promoter should do to make it better. You know, I'm sure there's so many things they could do to make it better for the fans for the drivers, for the, the crew guys in the pits. You know, the first thing everybody would say is, you need to drop the ticket price. Well, <clears throat> I don't know. Is that going to make it better? I suppose maybe it would put more money into the promoter's pocket. 
but I would hope that he would put it into, you know, the driver's payoff, you know, so that way the drivers can continue doing it because obviously we know racing's in a bit of a decline as far as car counts, you know, but I don't, I don't exactly know what I would do to make it better. I think, I really think I would try and make it more fan-friendly to start. Okay. You know, because we need the fans there to, to keep us doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you see some places that are just absolutely, like, take a, take a look at weed sport. That place is beautiful. Yes, it is. It's like done a uh, lot of work. Up there. Oh my God. It's, it's gorgeous compared to what it used to be. Um, you go there, you're excited to be there, and there's tracks that we go to that it's like, oh, wow, that's pretty dirty over there. You know, there's uh, there's an old something over there. What is that, a shed that fell down? Or, you know, you go to these places, and it's just, it's gr- the bathrooms are gross. You know, Lebanon Valley is very clean. Lebanon has such a very, such a good display for their fans, you know, and I think keep that going keep more of that you know i think we need more of a um, social media uh, presence okay. because everybody just goes on facebook or instagram or whatever Every, that everybody's is. got their cell phones and you their know hands, everybody even in the grandstands right and they're watching race monitor and all that stuff and i know like a lot of places are against that but i think it's fine because it's it's giving it's giving the fan that's watching their favorite driver more of an insight because they see their lap times they see if they're speeding up in the race if they're slowing down i think we need more of that stuff for the fans like when you go to a nascar race you can listen to their radios you can see all these different things like the nascar race hub stuff Mm -hmm. i think we need more of that for fans to bring more fans in i think that would be great more money going in and then obviously more pay for the drivers you know now they've got a lot. I mean, kind of going back to that. I mean, we were just talking about this, you know, off off the off the air. There are some big money races, mm-hmm. good pay to start the races. Um, the 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 Super Dirt Car Series raised their purse, their their base pay for the winner mm-hmm. this past year. Is that the thing that is going to start getting racers? out you know getting them out there more is that going to be what's going to drive a 358 or a sportsman guy to say you know what it's time for me to move up to the big block class in my opinion partly i think that's a start i think i think the cost of everything that goes into it is so high um you know it's I mean, you look at, I mean, you guys, you right. don't have, you guys do all your stuff in-house. Right. You buy the we chassis build. and you build the car, right. but you do all your engine mm-hmm. in-house. So You don't have to worry about the overhead of, right. of an engine builder building, too. Right. So you, you kinda... know, I think if I were to answer this question, what could we do to get more cars? What could we do to get guys in a 358 to move up to a big block? The sad part to me is... I don't know that there's enough people that want to work hard enough to do it. You know, everybody thinks they can't afford it. That we can't do that. We can't afford to pay fifty thousand for a brand new big block. You don't need a fifty thousand dollar big block. You don't need a brand new car with every part brand new. I don't have that. 
I race every year, and I feel I'm pretty competitive at Lebanon doing that. We build our own motors. You know, at one point, Alex didn't know how to build a motor, but he learned. Mm-hmm. Take Paul uh, Gillardi. You know, he taught himself, I don't know how, but how to build motors. Yeah. You know, I don't know how he learned that, how he taught himself, but he figured out how to do it. He put the work in to do it because he couldn't afford to pay somebody to do it. You know, we do the same thing. We Generally, we build our own bodies. We do all the fabrication that we can ourselves because we know how to do it. We build our own motors. You know, that's a way to do it cheaper. And I don't know that there's enough guys out there that have that will and that want to go out and learn how to do it. You know, back in the day, you would go to a junkyard and you'd take pieces off of a car and then put them onto your car and, and make them work. Um, that day is not here anymore. Yeah. You know, you you go online to to DMC race products. Or any chassis, you or know? any company, yeah. Thanks, and, and thanks you, for the plug. You're welcome. <laughs> but you buy it. You know, you could buy an entire race car off of your cell phone. And I think a lot of people just think that's the way it is and that's how it's going to be, and they just get discouraged and they don't do it. I know Tim McCready used to tell me, I and mean, we've talked about this, mm-hmm. he told me, he says, the days of what my dad used to do right, they're gone. are gone. 100%. He says, now, if you've got an unlimited checkbook, right. you can go to the chassis builder and build a car. Mm-hmm. You can go to the engine builder and build a, a, a kick-ass motor. Right. And if you're, and, and this is not an indictment on any driver out mm-hmm. there, because I've, I've never driven a big block, and anybody that can, can win, more power to them. Right. But if you've got marginal talent and a good starting spot, I couldn't agree. You, you, you can could, buy, you, can you can buy a certain amount of speed, in my opinion. You could go out and buy the best of everything, and have the best tuned shocks, the best tuned carburetor, motor combination, everything, and be way far ahead of the game than a guy that's trying to figure it out on his own, that went to the swap meet in November and bought all used parts, and put his absolute blood sweat and tears into it you're gonna you're gonna come out of the gate faster with the same say you have no experience the guy with everything in my opinion is gonna be a little bit better than the guy that doesn't know because he doesn't know how to set up the car he doesn't know what he's putting into it He, he just doesn't know so yeah i do think that money can buy speed or buy a a little bit of talent i guess if that's what you call it you know <clears throat> but you know and and people i've caught this a lot in my racing career people thought that i just was given everything and i had it made well yeah i did get given a race car but that race car was also i think eight years old when i got it you know so you learned you learn i learned you know and i worked on that car before I drove that car, when my father drove it, I worked on it every single night, every day. And I was the only one with Glenn that worked on my race car when I raced out of our own garage. You know, so we would go over to Kenny Tremont's shop, bringing up Kenny again. <laughs> we'd go and get his used tires, and we'd come back, we'd grind them, and that's what I would race on. You know, he would never accept any money. He'd just say, here, go through this pile, measure them out, see what you want. <clears throat> so that, that was how I did it. You know, and we would do everything ourselves. Um, so 
you know, I really just, I don't want to say that money has held me back, but in a lot of ways it has. And in, in those years, I used to break motors all the time because we couldn't afford to put new rods in it or put new pistons in it or whatever it was. And then what do you know breaks? You break a rod and it's hanging out the block. <laughs> so something that could have cost us 1800 bucks now has cost us five grand Mm -hmm. because we didn't have two grand you know so and that's that's every racer's problem it really is you know every you know regular racer i guess yeah every saturday every saturday night guy you know that's that's their thing do i buy all these motor parts or do i buy tires throughout the year or fuel well i can get by with what i got (laughs) you know and that's that's just how that goes now like you said, just got married. Yep. You're still young. Right. I mean, you're I mean, I 30, 30, 31, 31 years young. old. Yeah, you got that. <laughs> you're racing against guys that are in their 50s, right. 60s. I mean, Denny, yes, yes, Denny. Denny? Yeah, he, he won't give you the straight answer. It's somewhere in the 70s. We'll just leave it at that. Do you see yourself? going that long do you see yourself wanting to go that long you said your your priorities change compared to when you were 18 oh, but where definitely. do you see it you know the way i see it is i don't want to do anything in my life if i'm not having fun doing it i'm having a lot of fun racing so i don't see any reason to stop um i look forward to going every week um you know my I'm very fortunate with the situation I have in racing. I drive for Alex Thompson. Uh, you know, we help him do as much as we with as much as we can financially or you know, manpower, we do everything we can to work together and we click so good with each other. Mm-hmm. So the car is kept down in Sherman, Connecticut. Alex works on it with his two boys and a couple other guys down there. And then we have help that comes to the racetrack. And I show up at the racetrack with my fire suit and my helmet, and I drive it. But we're on the phone every day talking about the race car when I'm doing a four-hour drive to Rochester. You know, I'll spend an hour on the phone with them talking about how to make it better. Or I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Or this guy ran me over, and I don't like him. Or, you know, whatever (laughs) it is. But I'm having so much fun doing it, and I can do all my stuff at work i can keep my wife happy by not spending every night in the garage you know alex really loves working on the cars he doesn't want to drive it we know how that went when he drove a couple times so he's very happy doing what he's doing so to literally answer your question i want to race until i'm not having fun and I don't know when that's going to be, but right now I'm having a lot of fun. Seems like you and Alex and yep. the crew. I mean, it, it seems like it's also the people around you. For sure, that, it is. That are doing. I mean, right? How? I mean, I guess we'll kind of end with this. I mean, talk to me about the people that support you. I mean, <laughs> you're the people that that are not only just your sponsors, but I mean your crew and and and, and obviously now you've got a, a new biggest fan in in your wife. Yeah, she she's my best fan. She is. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, tell me about every, I mean, you know, there's there's got to be people that, that have 
that have supported you through. I mean, there's there's right. people that are on the like you said, Glenn has been with you guys He's, for the longest time. Glenn has been Glenn has been to every single race of mine. He's never missed a single race. And uh, you know, since my father's been racing, he never missed a race then either. He's always been there. Um, so obviously without Glenn, with his help and his knowledge, I wouldn't be able to do I wouldn't be I would not be where I am without him, just like I wouldn't be where I am without my father and his influence. You know, it's a funny thing with my father and I because sometimes you can be oil and water, but at the end of the day you're on the same page. You know, um I'll come in off the track and I'll say, Man, the thing felt kinda tight. I think we need to loosen up. No, 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 no. No, I don't think you need to I don't think you need to do that. You know, I think had you done, maybe entered the corner this way, it would have come off a little bit different. And then I'm defensive. Nah, that you're not right. And then he does the same thing to me. You know, but <laughs> we we meet. At the end of that conversation, we always meet. And then we're on the same page. But we can, we can have ideas bounce off of each other. And we can click and we can actually get to what we're trying to prove. Or to try and do. And then that translates into my relationship with Alex. You know, Alex will listen to everything that I say, give me his thoughts, and then agree on what it is we're going to change or what we're going to try to make it better. And the the really awesome thing with Alex is he's always a cheerleader. You know, and and so is it my father and Glenn and every one of our crew members. There, it's never, well, you shouldn't have done this, or you could have done this better. It's always, you know, we did the best we could. It's well, always, we it's just a pat on the back, right? We, you know what? We weren't that great tonight. We'll get better next week. We can try this for next week to make it better, you know. Or we did whatever. It's always we. It's never, you know, just put on me. So I never feel that I'm in this alone. And then, like, if we get in a, in a, a jingle with somebody on the racetrack, I, they always got my back. You know, it's <clears throat> they're not talking to the guy that's yelling at me saying, yeah, my driver's an idiot. He shouldn't have done that. It's always defending me, you know, and they might know I might have did something wrong, <laughs> but they defend me because that's just that's how the team works. So to have that behind me, I think that makes us even better. Makes me better because I feel a lot of confidence from that. You know, I don't feel like I'm going to go out there and do something stupid, and then get picked on and yelled at when I get back in the pits, which happens. You know, I everybody does things that are stupid, but I never. Now the drivers let you know it too. Oh, they will absolutely, most definitely, most definitely. All right, brother. Thanks, man. You got I it. Appreciate it. What did I tell you? That was over an hour. And we probably could have had more. There was plenty more to talk about. And it's just, I'm very grateful for Kyle for coming on to the first episode of the show. And, and, and if you get an opportunity at a racetrack to go and talk to him, go down to the pits, talk to him. He will, if you chew his ear off, he'll chew your ear off because he just loves the sport so much and loves talking about it. So my thanks to Kyle Sheldon for coming on to the first show. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. 
Um, it was definitely an interesting experience. Uh, hopefully we're going to be doing a couple more of these uh, with some different guests before the beginning of the season. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We're going to try and put them onto the different platforms so you can download them to your favorite device. Uh, we're going to try and do iTunes and whatnot. You're going to be able to pick it up off of our website. Um, so again, thank you very much for listening. Come back again. This has been the first episode of the Slide Job here on Race Pro Radio. Mm-hmm.